What up, party people? <laughs> is party people still a thing? Or is that like... Now it is. 2007? <laughs> what up, homies? Uh, this is Nora's table. You're sitting here with Savannah and Lauren. Um, have you watched Game of Thrones? Yeah, I love Game of Thrones. Have you watched the spinoff? Yeah. You have? Yeah. We haven't started it yet. Is it pretty good? I really liked it. I enjoy it. Um, And then my husband was kind of like in the middle about it. He's like, I like it. Like, I'll watch it. But I liked Game of Thrones better. Yeah. Who was your favorite character on Game of Thrones? (sighs) There's so many. They they were just like all so good all together. Right? Um, What was your favorite character? Uh... None of the Lannisters. None of them. The ones that have relations with their siblings yeah. is weird. But they're good. They're good villains, right? That's true. Yeah. Good See? actors. See? Good actors. Because mm-hmm. they really make you hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, except for I like the littlest Lannister. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean little like age. Uh, the small person. Here, let me look at Ty... Tywin? No. Not Tywin. He's like the oldest brother, I think, to Cersei. I have to look him all up. <gasps> Tyrion. Tyrion. Tyrion Lannister. I loved him. Yeah. He's great. Um, Jon Snow was okay. Like, he wasn't like a villain at all, but he was, I don't know. He ended up like being with his aunt or something, yeah. right? Oh, spoilers. If you haven't watched <laughs> Game of Thrones, we're here to ruin it all for yeah. you. Um, I liked Khaleesi. That yeah. she was a pretty powerful bee. Right, yeah. She's a great, great actor. Um, did you happen to see the, the like, article that came out about her today um, in her personal life? Yeah, they were, like, hating on her because... She looked different than she did in Game of Thrones because, spoiler alert, she's, like, in her 30s and she looks very different than mm-hmm. she did when she first started Game of Thrones. Right. Um, what's her name again? Amelia. Yeah. Clark. Amelia, Amelia Clark. Clark. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting topic to discuss. Um, but what... What I appreciate about her is, you know, she's got all these haters, which I can't imagine being this massive celebrity and having all of your tiny, tiny little imperfections broadcasted all over the world. So put on shitty articles for clickbait. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, there was like just some negative comments about her face and wrinkles. And then she came back and said that, that she... She doesn't want to do any procedures to her face. She she likes how she looks, and she feels like she needs to show the life that she's lived. And there's there's nothing wrong if you want to have procedures done to your face or your body, but I really appreciated her rawness and just not making any apologies to anybody and just fully accepting her and, and how she looks and how she is. Yeah, I can't imagine being a celebrity and, like, every little thing that you do is just, like, blown up. Like, you can't ever... How are you supposed to accept yourself if Mm -hmm. the rest of the world hasn't? Like, I can't imagine having um, the media in my head about how I look every day. Yeah. You know? I wonder how she she got to the point of loving herself. Mm -hmm. Because more people should be like that. And, like, taking it back to being okay with, like... um, 
procedures and stuff. Like, that's cool. If that's your jam, there are things that if I had money, <laughs> I would change about myself also. Mm-hmm. It's all about just how you feel most comfortable and how you love your body. If you love your body with silicone breast implants, then cool. You do you. Yeah. Um, how do you practice self-love in your everyday life? Yeah. So this, this I think, is a, is a good topic for for anybody. Um, the, like we just said, the media, um, pushes things on us and we're almost in a society of, well, we are in a society of consumerism. And so the more unhappy you are with your body, how you look, the more products you're going to buy. And so that's, I'm trying not to look like a gargantuan <laughs> orangutan on the video. <laughs> Anyways. Oh. Um, Sorry. Yeah, now I got off topic. <laughs> uh, which is funny because, like, if you're tall, you should be, like, embracing it and being like, yes, I'm tall. I should. I'm a tall model goddess. Yeah, Bobby likes to say that I'm his Amazonian woman, which is not the compliment he thinks it is. <laughs> He's like, you're my Amazonian queen. And I'm like, that's not flattering. He's like, well, Wonder Woman's from the Amazon. Well, that's great. I'm not Gal Gadot. (laughs) Would love to be, but I'm not. You're just making me feel huge. Uh, Are you taller than him? (laughs) By half an inch. Yeah? Yeah. So that's, that's like, um, was that hard for you? Like when you first started dating him or when your relationship started to become more serious? Um... Yes and no, but not in the ways that you think. So, like, all of the men on my mom's side of the family are in the sixes, like, sixes. Like, six four, six five. Like, they're tall guys. Mm-hmm. And I always imagined me being with somebody who was tall, like, to just kind of fit in with the family, I guess. But him being shorter than me, one, it doesn't, it's not, like, a huge difference. So, if we're standing next to each other, we pretty much look the same height. Um, he likes to say that he's 5'9". He's a liar. But... <laughs> Two, even with him being smaller, I know that he is still a scrappy little shit. And I never have to worry about, like, if somebody were to, like, do something to me in public, I don't have to worry about him being smaller and not being able to hold his own. Yeah. He is wiry. Uh-huh. He's wiry for being a little guy. <laughs> but, uh-huh. no, um, like, even our first date, I think I was wearing heels or something like that. It's never bothered him. He's very secure in his height. He's accepted that that's where he's at. And, uh, if it doesn't bother him, it doesn't bother me. Nice. So it only, it didn't really like necessarily bother me that he was shorter. It was just like, it's not what I had pictured Mm -hmm. for like my future husband. Mm -hmm. But I remember when we first started talking, I had asked my mom like, Hey, do you know who Bobby Burns is? And she was like, yeah, he's so nice, but I think he's short. (laughs) But it's funny (laughs) because if you ask anybody in my mom's side of the family, like what short is, Mm -hmm. they're like probably anybody under six foot, you know, they don't realize like the rest of the world is normal. Right. You guys are just huge. Yeah. So (laughs) he is average for a dude, but no, it's, it's fine. The only thing is like, like if our kids get any of my mom's side of the family, like jeans wise, Bobby could be being towered over when the kids are like in middle school, you know? Uh So hopefully one of them's average, like the burn side, (laughs) because... I don't know. I feel like it's going to be Bear. Bear's probably going to be huge, I yeah. think. Yeah. Jay's kind of like a string bean. He's very like slender build, and he can still fit in the 18-month pants. Uh-huh. But 
bears quickly catching up to him. Mm. So Yeah. But that's, like, really interesting because, like, a lot of people, like, in the dating culture now, like, they'll specify, like, you have to be this height Mm -hmm. for me to even consider you. Well, and I've always felt out of place being a taller woman um, because I've been 5'9 since probably, like, 8th grade, freshman year. Mm -hmm. And I always felt out of place everywhere because everybody else, like, all these girls were, like, you know, little bite-sized petite snacks and, Mm -hmm. like, no dude's like, yeah, I want that tall, like... (laughs) woman's basketball player bitch you know <laughs> she's sexy and I'm just like all gangly and not knowing how to work my arms and I just look like a newborn baby deer when I'm playing sports and stuff so it took me a long time to even be comfortable with myself um being as tall as I am and I don't feel like I'm super tall I'm only five nine but yeah compared to some of my friends I am a lot taller so do you think that that affected your self-image growing up being taller definitely I think it had um I don't know I guess because I had an eating disorder also and I was like super thin and sucked up if I had been shorter would I have looked as like gross as I did because looking back at pictures I'm like how did anybody ever give me attention like I was so awkward, out of place. I didn't know how to, like, even walk correctly or, like, confidently. Um, I just looked super gross. And so I'm like, if I had been shorter, would I have looked more proportional? Would it have been worse because I was shorter? I don't know. It did have a lot to do with my self-image, though. Like, because my best friend or one of my best friends growing up um, was taller than me. But she somehow looked like... Like, her body fit her stature. She never looked awkward or, like, I felt like she never tried to make herself smaller subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And I still do that to this day. Like, my mom, the other day, um, we're sitting on the couch, and I was had my arms folded like this. And she was like, are you cold? Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm okay. Why? And she's like, well, just the way that you're, like, sitting with yourself makes it look like you're cold. And I'm like... I feel like still to this day, without even realizing, I still automatically try to make myself smaller. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why I have bad, like, upper back pain, too, is because I'm so chesty, and I'm always slouched, like, mm-hmm. trying to make my breasts seem smaller. So, now I've gone on a tangent, but, yeah. yeah, I think it did have a lot to do with my self-image, and even being 30, that's still learning to love and accept myself is still a journey. I don't think it's ever really like a destination. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that you have to continue to practice. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I do. Yeah, I definitely do. I think that, um, and then there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with just having this, this lifelong goal of just every year, I'm just going to love myself a little bit more or mm-hmm. accept myself a little bit more and embrace that and be okay with it. And like, what is, what is the negative stigma of taking up more space of a woman taking up more space? Like, why do we need to look small and inferior? I think it's intimidating to men. Yeah. Or at least it has been in the past. Mm -hmm. I think men are starting to get more on board with wanting a strong woman because they're seeing that like, we're not a threat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I think men want still or have in the past, I don't want to speak for them now. I shouldn't be speaking for them at all. But in my opinion, I think in the past they've wanted women that appear um, smaller, inferior, uh, obedient, mm-hmm. quiet, 
um, like little house mouse kind of yeah demeanor, you know, like we don't want to, you know, rock the boat. You do what you want to do. I just support you. I don't have any opinions. Um, and when you're a teenager, that's kind of how you want to appear too. Like you just want a boy to notice you and mm-hmm. you don't care what it is that you have to do to yourself or what thoughts you have to put in your own head to get there. That's just the goal, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know, maybe a lot of years of like being in bad relationships and feeling like I wasn't enough. Maybe I just always had attributed it to my image, how I appeared. Cause I don't know a lot of like taller, bigger stature women that are very like soft spoken and quiet and mm-hmm. you know most of those women are confident enough of themselves that they don't give a shit what they look like and this is me and they're they're here to tell you about it you yeah. know but I don't know that's something I'm still having to kind of unlearn is how to be more unapologetically myself yes yeah And it's hard after you have babies, too. I think at one point I probably was okay with the way that I looked. I had gotten down to my goal weight. And then immediately after that I got pregnant and I gained a bunch of weight. And then Jameson was only a year and a half when I got pregnant again and gained more weight. Mm -hmm. So postpartum is really hard to come back from, I think. It is. Absolutely. Like not only, not only, so, you know, what we're hoping to talk about in this episode two about self-love and and acceptance is just how can we do that with the media and, and pushing on us and telling us that we need to look a certain way or that we shouldn't be happy with how we look. How do we do that after birth? How Mm -hmm. do we do that after giving birth, after, um, having children and, and seeing our body one way for years. And then all of a sudden you don't even recognize yourself anymore Mm -hmm. and how difficult that truly is. And then, um, self-love with, with maybe overcoming unhealthy eating habits or unhealthy thinking patterns that we've learned and taught ourselves for the majority of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and it's challenging to have to combat all of that after years of doing things one way. So where have you started maybe in your journey of learning to accept yourself and learning to love yourself now? Um, I think going back to having babies, it's hard because you don't necessarily accept your body afterwards. Things don't work the way that they should anymore. They don't look like they're supposed to. Things are in places that they shouldn't be, especially if you've had C-sections. My stomach is not even similar to what it used to be. Um, That's something that's been really hard for me. I think one thing that's been really instrumental in me gaining my confidence back has been my partner. Um, I feel like I could probably wear like a potato sack and Bobby (laughs) would still probably trying to be frisky with me. Like he doesn't ever make me feel like my body isn't exactly how it's supposed to be. And I know that self-love is just that it's supposed to be self but I think having that support and him appreciating my body the way that it is that Mm -hmm. I'm I have a new body basically and him still loving that I think um accepting things like 
that I feel like I'm a good mom really helps that I I don't need the body of a 20 year old I'm not out trying to get attention in clubs or I'm not in the dating scene and things like that like accepting that the chapter and the season of my life that I'm in I'm I'm doing the best that I can and I need to accept that that is my best and every day is I have a new best you know so me being a good mom I'm trying to be the best wife that I can be try to keep a house together um I have two kids under three and my house is fairly tidy I think for how little my kids are um I'm a neurotic mess about it, but the house is clean. <laughs> I'm not exactly like the fun mom. I'm the mom that's like tidying up as Jameson's still playing with yeah. things where he's just looking at me like I wasn't done with that. But my house is pretty clean and uh, yeah, my kids are happy and I think as long as I'm, that's always been my goal though. Like I've never really known what I wanted to do with my life as far as like when I want to grow up. I've changed my mind a million times, but I've always been sure about being a mom. So that's the dream. I'm getting to live it now and be a stay-at-home mom and just getting to raise my babies. And if I'm doing that right, then that says a lot about me. And mm -hmm. that's the that's the Savannah that I'm learning to love yeah. is the one that's just a really cool mom. Well, you know, you mentioned being a good mom, and you've told me this before about what is your approach when you're having a difficult day and you're with your children? How do you change that mindset? So I, are you talking about me talking myself down? Mm -hmm. Okay. So yesterday was stressful. Um, some things came out of like our bank accounts that we weren't expecting. So payday is tomorrow. We just needed to get through and all of our bills are paid. Like we're not at risk of like losing anything that's essential. But just as far as, like, extra spending money goes, we had, like, a day and a half to get through, right? Jay needed milk. Um, the weather was super crappy outside. It was, like, raining like crazy. I don't like taking the babies out in it. Um, so I was, like, stressed about, you know, money. And I need to also get a couple groceries for the house. And I had some errands that I needed to run. And it was just all kind of, like, caving in on me. And then Jameson was also being whiny. And... I had to basically have a conversation with myself and be like, look, Jameson doesn't know what's going on with money. It's not his fault that anything came out of the account. He doesn't even know what money is. He has no concept of like what our stress is at the moment. So we need to get to a point where we can still have a good day. Like we need to have a reset. So I had to have this conversation like the money is fine. We still have a roof over our head. There's still food in the fridge. Like we're not getting our power shut off or anything. It's just spending money that we're low on. Um, like, we can still get milk tonight when Bobby gets home so you don't have to take the babies out in the rain. Um, like, Jameson's cool with just eating goldfish all day. He doesn't care, <laughs> you know? Like, we could still have a pretty good day. So just having that conversation with myself to be able to calm myself down and, like, talk myself through. Like, today is going to be okay. Everything feels really heavy right now. But here are the facts. Like, emotion aside, here are the facts. The rain's going to let up. Bobby's going to get home at 5. You can go get milk then. Jay's going to be okay without milk for a few hours. He's whining about, like, he wants to watch Blippi or something on his iPad. That's an easy fix. Like, I can't let my storm get my children wet. So, yeah, just being able to, like, 
have, and I, I can't even say like an internal conversation. It was very much out loud. <laughs> I'm like preparing lunch and I'm like, all right, look, let's have, we need to have a coming to Jesus meeting about this. So I'm just in my kitchen talking to myself, like, look, it's going to be okay. Bobby's going to get home at some point. The rain's going to let up. Money's fine. We have gas in our tank. Like, it's going to be okay. It's just having the initial anxiety where it all feels like it's, like, impending doom. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. It's all dark right now. But, I mean, really, if I didn't have kids, I feel like I probably wouldn't have gotten myself out of that mindset. But I've realized since having kids that I don't want them to ever... If Bobby and I are feeling, like, soul-crushing stress, I don't want that to ever, um, I don't want my boys to ever feel that. Like, it's okay for them to see that we have, like, struggles and stuff, but our issues, um, have nothing to do with them, and before having kids, I would just probably have sat in that emotion and just let the anxiety take me out with the tide, but having kids, I'm like, we don't really have time for that. So mm -hmm. it's lunchtime. We got to make some chicken nuggies and some fries. We don't really have time to be having an anxiety attack right now. So mm -hmm. we need to just get through it. <laughs> yeah. How do you get through that stuff? Well, what I want to say about that, that mindset and that way of thinking ties in with what we've talked about in previous episodes about CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And so if you can imagine a triangle and there's three points to the triangle, and they're all linked together. Um, so on one point of the triangle, there's feeling, feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. Okay. If you can change one of those things, it changes the outcome. So if I'm feeling anxiety about XYZ, about finances, about how my day is going, but I can change my thinking and I can start to think, okay, well, everything's going to be okay. Um, uh, you know, I, I can make it through this. I, I need to stay positive for my kids. Like whatever it is, it changes your behavior. You don't mm -hmm. stay frozen. You don't stay in that anxiety. You can continue to progress in your day and get things done. And then it comes back around to changing how you feel okay, well, I feel more productive today. I don't have that level of anxiety anymore. And so you can apply this to also self-care, self-love, how you feel about yourself. If you can change one of those things in that triangle of whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, you can start to see some progress. So if, um, and it could be something just bare basics. We've talked about, you know, what does self-care look like? Sometimes it means taking a shower today, especially if you're a busy individual with children and maybe you're working. Sometimes taking a nice, good quality shower or a bubble bath is, is so important for your mental health. And it's something that you might laugh off and say, well, yeah, like I should be showering every day, but sometimes you just don't have the time. Sometimes you don't feel like you have that quality time with yourself either. And just giving that to yourself of, okay, I'm going to deep condition my hair while I'm taking a bubble bath and shave my legs and put on a facial mask and, and do these things that maybe I wouldn't have done you know, if I was rushing and trying to get it done, 
that's so important that you're that you're doing that and taking that time for yourself, picking out a cute outfit, doing your hair, your makeup, things like that, which seem so small, make a big difference in how you feel and think about yourself. When I've seen some posts on um, social media where they'll be like, um, you know, your partner letting you go to the store by yourself is not you getting to practice self-care or your partner taking over with the kids so that you can take a shower is like bare minimum that should be expected. But there really is something to be said for a man who works 12 hours and comes home and um, will take the kids off your hands so that you can go shave your legs Mm -hmm. or be able to listen to a couple songs in the shower. Like he really doesn't have to do that. Um, It's nice. And maybe this is a totally like whack way of thinking, but I'm just really appreciative. Like if he comes home and he takes the kids off my hands for 20 minutes so that I can go take a shower and not have to worry about the kids. Mm-hmm. That feels like self-care to me. Like, I'm taking care of um, not only, like, washing my bits, but, like, mentally that I get to have a few minutes to just think and breathe. Yes. And I don't have to worry about, like, phantom cries. Do mm-hmm. you hear phantom cries? Mm-hmm. Or, like, it's like when you're – you always feel like your phone's buzzing. Yeah. But it's not. It's, like, off. Yeah. <laughs> I hear phantom cries all the time where I'm, like, I swear Jameson's screaming. Um that's like every shower, but if Bobby's home and I know that the kids are taken care of and I get to take my time with the shower, mm-hmm. that feels like self-care to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Or being able to do like a face mask in the shower or let my conditioner actually do its job instead mm-hmm. of just formality, putting it in and immediately washing yeah. it out and you're like, <laughs> it did nothing. <laughs> yeah. So just, I think sometimes even basic... <clears throat> basic hygiene stuff I feel like can still be self-care yeah it's still kind of like a mindset you have to be in yes like you don't have to be going to the salon all the time you don't have to be going on shopping sprees that stuff is nice mm-hmm. but you can also do little like five minute self-care things like I was listening to an audiobook called self-care for moms things like listening to audiobooks mm-hmm. um when you're doing dishes counts as self-care yes um painting your nails counts as self-care Using your favorite creamer in your coffee counts as self-care. Just things that you do for just yourself that give you that little bit of, like, highlight in a day. And it doesn't have to be one thing per day that's three or four hours long. You can do a lot of little five-minute things for yourself throughout the day that don't take away from work or your kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. That are still just for you. Mm -hmm. I think um, doing, like, a mindful minute is self-care. Kind of brings you back to the present, lets you focus helps you gain some some clarity. I feel like that's self-care also. Absolutely. Yeah, all of those things are self-care. And even if we continue to break it down to bare basics, um, making sure you're hydrated, drinking enough water throughout the day, making sure you're eating regularly, because mm-hmm. that can definitely affect your mental health. It can affect just your thinking patterns, how you feel about yourself. So, you know, like our previous episode of struggling with unhealthy eating habits, it's important to remember to eat throughout the day and make, you know, those choices for yourself to where, okay, um, I have to eat so that I can do my job or so that I can go to the gym and exercise or so that I can take care of my kids how I'm supposed to. And a lot of times we focus on other people and making sure that they're taken care of, but it's just as important to make sure that we're taken care of as well. Mm -hmm. And then if we expand on 
self-care and continue to dive into it and, and appreciating ourselves and giving back to ourselves and loving ourselves, you that's when you can start to think of bigger things that you can do for yourself that maybe take more time for you. Mm-hmm. It could be scheduling a massage a couple months down the road, but it's something that you plan for, you look forward to it, everything else is taken care of, you don't have to worry, and you can go get that done for yourself. Or taking a vacation with your family, or even if a, a vacation by yourself, if that's something that you would like to do. Um, journaling, meditating, um, there's lots of nice journals that are on Amazon that have to do with self-love that you can find and you can sit in the morning and journal a little bit and sometimes people enjoy journaling where it's just a blank page and they can just write whatever comes to mind um the journals that I'm thinking of and I'm talking of are ones that are prompted Mm -hmm. that maybe have a question or a topic that you can kind of go into and just sitting with a cup of coffee and just taking that time for yourself, maybe Mm -hmm. before work or while your kids are playing, it makes a big difference. Um, and then also going back to your thinking and the thoughts that are going on in your head and what you're telling yourself, also being very mindful of the negative thoughts that are coming through your mind throughout the day and starting to address those and change those throughout the day. So any negative thought that comes into your mind, starting to challenge it, or trying to replace it with something more positive. Um, If it has something to do with how you look, oh, I really don't like this about myself, about my appearance. Um, Maybe changing it into something of, okay, well, this is what I do like about myself. And saying it out loud and saying it, um, even if you don't believe it all the time, when you're starting to make those positive changes, it starts to make a big difference in, in just overall how you're feeling throughout the day. For me, I think it's um, it's probably something I've just recently started doing, maybe just because I'm getting older, but I've started recognizing the icks about myself, and I just kind of, like, let it be that. Like, uh, we're all a work in progress, but, like, one of my biggest icks about myself is that <laughs> I um, am an instant gratification kind of person. Like, Amazon Prime next day is still not fast enough for me. I, if I get on Amazon, my very first filter is Prime. I want it by end of day. Uh I don't like that about myself, especially coming from a small town where, like, Amazon, you could order it today. You're not getting it for, like, three weeks. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a long time to wait. Yeah. So you would think with me being raised in a small town where things weren't just, like, readily at my fingertips... I wouldn't be this way, but I am, and it's an ick. Now that I've moved to the city and I have things that are just, like, so convenient, it's just to drive away or there's, like, curbside pickup and stuff, I've gotten very spoiled, and I recognize this about myself, and I just kind of let it be that. It's one of my – it's an ick about me, and I just kind of let it be that way. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. doesn't mean I'm not a good friend or a good daughter or – you know, a bad mom or whatever. It's just who I am as a person. And it makes me human. Mm -hmm. And I think recognizing like the icks and kind of making it light and something you can joke about and be a little like self-deprecating about, I think goes a long way. If you can laugh at yourself and be like, oh God, that's so cringy about (laughs) me, then it kind of like makes it less, um, less heavy, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm really coming to terms with accepting like embarrassing things about myself. Like, 
I don't know. I still very much love boy bands. I'm very much still in my, like, late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> I will jam out to NSYNC or Backstreet Boys in public places. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not cool or hip, but I love it. And I'm allowed to love, like, wacky things like that. Yeah, of course. So just kind of, like, acknowledging <laughs> that about myself, letting it just be a funny thing about me, and let that be, like, part of the makeup of who Savannah is. Mm-hmm. So I think accepting little funny things about yourself is, goes a long way too. Yeah. It, it's what makes you unique and individual and interesting mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. And you know, who's to say that those things are, are negative as long as there's no negative outcomes with people around you or your family or, um, anything that's going to negatively influence your life in the long term, then there's nothing wrong with those things. Yeah. And yeah. If you're, I mean, there's something to be said about like accepting something funny about yourself versus like, yeah, I'm a selfish prick and mm. I put myself above everyone, including my kids. You know, <laughs> that's probably not something you should like laugh off yeah. and, oh, that's just Savannah, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that's just me being wacky. So yeah. Accepting the little like odd odd duck flaws about ourselves, I think goes a long way towards, um, loving ourselves. I agree. Loving who we are. Yeah. Are there any wacky things about you that you love about yourself that make you, who is Lauren? What does Lauren like? I'm going to have to think. (laughs) I loved learning that you play the flute from Adriel. Yeah. I haven't played in years and years and years though. Yeah. It's been a long, long time, but, um, I was very much into music through college, and I always thought that I wanted to go into music therapy um, because music can be a therapy tool, and mm-hmm. you can use music in helping people. But I never, I never lived in an area where that program was offered, and so I went into mental health therapy. But I was very much involved in music, and I think embracing your hobbies, anything that's for you, just for you, mm-hmm. is so important. And even as an adult, encouraging people that might be listening, if you're feeling just stuck with the mundane, maybe thinking of, okay, what is something that I've always found fun or interesting and I've just never taken the time to do that? Mm-hmm. And signing up for a class or just diving into it and just doing it I think is really important for people and just to like have fun and embrace a hobby and take a painting class or a photography class or a class at the gym that you've always wanted to take or sign up for enroll in a a free course um, that might be at your community and just diving into it and having fun with it. Meeting new people or discovering new things about yourself Mm -hmm. is very important. Yeah, I think people when they... Um, they think about doing something new or something that's outside of their norm tend to get intimidated because they worry about being judged for it or like mm-hmm. what people are going to say about it. And another thing that I think comes with age is just realizing like people do not think about you. Mm-hmm. Like you think, you think about what people think about you way more than they actually think about you. Oh yeah. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and if they have something to say, they're not saying it to you. So what do you care? What people think and say about you behind your back is none of your business. You do you. Yeah. You find what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And 
especially if you like live in a city here, like the people that you see at a class that you think is like, oh my God, I'd be so embarrassed to be caught here. You're never going to see these people again. And they're at the same place as you. So mm-hmm. just go do your thing. Yeah. Like, just go be yourself. Right. And you never Love know. yourself. Yeah. You never know. Maybe, maybe you meet somebody in one of these classes too, that becomes a really good friend or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, maybe you start a podcast where you record in your closet, <laughs> and then a while later, you're sitting in a studio with a really good friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you do after you had Wyatt that helped you get back into loving yourself? Or did you have any issues, like, when you were pregnant with self-love? Um, I think if we're ta- speaking specifically on pregnancy, I tried to focus a lot of... Maybe not even self-love, but love towards um, my unborn child and just sending him a lot of love. I would try and connect that way, place my hand on my stomach and just say mantras of like, I'm sending you so much love. You're you're in a place where my body is doing what it's supposed to do. It's protecting you. It's helping you grow. And trying to, again, replace those negative thoughts that I had maybe about seeing the scale changing or seeing how my body doesn't look like it used to or I can't fit into clothes that I did before and changing that mindset of my body is so amazing and it's doing something so amazing Mm -hmm. and I think as just human beings regardless if you're a man or a woman or with age, our bodies continuously change and trying to embrace that about ourselves. So even going back to like Amelia Clark and her face is changing as she's getting older, embracing that about yourself. And there's nothing wrong with the aging process. And I think our society specifically in the United States tries to tell us like, we have to look young for forever Mm -hmm. and we don't, it's okay. It's okay to smile a lot and laugh a lot in life and end up with wrinkles and, and love that about yourself and embrace those things about yourself. And it's challenging, um, especially when you're constantly being told another way of thinking, but there's nothing wrong with embracing the changes and seeing the, those changes inside of yourself. Yeah. And we really, we think that we're so like aware of how society brainwashes us, but they, if you think about like when you're standing in the line at a grocery store and you're looking at like magazines, cause what else are you going to look at? <laughs> Gum. And you're looking at magazines and it'll be like, so-and-so just had a baby like two weeks ago and they're on the cover of the magazine looking absolutely flawless. Like they've never given birth in their life, never have had a stretch mark. And then you're looking at yourself like, well, how did she get that body back in two weeks postpartum and now here I am my youngest is seven and a half months and I'm not even close to being back like mm-hmm. um without them even shaming people like I guess it could be on like the opposite end of the spectrum like sometimes you'll see magazines where it's like she had a baby five years ago and she's still carrying the weight and you're like yeah. that's garbage uh-huh. on the opposite end it's like they try to make you feel bad by posting these women that are in great shape Meanwhile, look at you, Uh you know? So, yeah, it's hard. You have to constantly remind yourself when it comes to society that, like, yeah, she might be in great shape, but she also had a nutritionist 
the entire time she was pregnant. Um, she also has a personal trainer that comes and she works out four times a day. She has a nanny to watch her baby so that she can work out four times a day. Mm-hmm. Like, her season is great for her. You're not in that season, sister. Yeah. Sorry about your luck. You're not somebody who's getting paid to look absolutely perfect all the time. And I think I'd rather be that way. I'd rather look myself and be able to take my time getting my body back than to be somebody who has to worry about the tabloids tearing me apart for looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, regardless of, as long as you're doing it in a healthy way, you know, being healthy towards your body, there's nothing wrong with either spectrum of mm-hmm. where your body's at. And it's, it's just a, a housing point of, of who you are. It, it doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. And so learning to accept that and embrace that and, and just working on maybe what you can. So if you have goals for yourself, maybe even making goals for yourself that aren't, that have nothing to do with physically how you look is important. So like we mentioned before, signing up for a class or a course, doing something outside of that thinking and and that thought pattern is important for us as Mm -hmm. well so that we can break away from that obsession that is Mm -hmm. so common. I've recommended to clients before of looking at your goals in life as a Venn diagram. So if somebody doesn't know what a Venn diagram is, if you can imagine bubbles or circles and they're all overlapping each other and all Mm -hmm. intertwining and you have all of these circles in your life and in the very center where they all overlap every single one of them is you it's who you are and one of those circles could be my physical health so eating drinking enough sleeping enough exercising that's one area that you could be working on but then you can also have another circle of my friends and my relationships with other people and what does that mean and and am I devoting enough time to to those people so your friends and then another circle could be your family another one could be education or work I'm you know what am I or hobbies you know what am I devoting mentally to myself that I find fun and interesting and makes me unique um Another one could be your spirituality. What does that mean to you? Is it, are you a traditional Christian maybe where you you go to church and you become a part of that community? Or maybe spirituality is something different where you need to discover what does that mean for you? Is it a physical place that you actually go to to worship or is it somewhere and something else that you need to do for yourself that helps you connect spiritually. And so this list can go on and on and on of like different areas of your life. And so the important thing is just you're in the center of all of these areas of your life. And where am I devoting too much time and too much energy? And where is it that I'm not devoting enough time and enough energy Mm -hmm. to those things? And where can I make adjustments and start to change things so that I'm spending enough energy in the goals that I have for my life? So, for example, if 
a goal I have for myself is my family. I want to spend more time with my kids Mm -hmm. and my family. Um, But then I also have a goal of maybe I want to exercise more and become more physically active. Then because it's a Venn diagram and they all intertwine and they all interact, how can I do these things at the same time? Well, maybe it's something that I take my kids to a gymnastics class and I run around with them for the entire gymnastics class. Mm -hmm. Not only am I spending time with them, but I'm also checking off something on my list of something that I would like to do for myself. Or if I want to spend more time in self-care and I need more time alone, I'm spending too much time with my family, then maybe it's signing up for a class that's just by yourself that you take all by yourself mm-hmm. and something that you go to and it's just for you. Do you feel any mom guilt when you practice self-care? I personally don't because I I know that if I don't take that time for myself, I'm not the best version of myself for not only my child but for my husband as well. Mm-hmm. And for other people around me, I'm not, I'm not the best version of myself as a friend or a family member, or I, I struggle. And so if I don't take those things and that time for myself, then, um, then I struggle. Yeah. Do you struggle with mom guilt for anything? Yeah. All the time. Okay. Yeah. Like I have guilt about even (laughs) doing the podcast. Like Uh that's kind of where I stepped away, um, initially last March, I think was when I was like really recording pretty heavily is, um, Jameson got the, the speech delay diagnosis. Um, and I really thought that if my child was behind to the point where he was needing early intervention, if I didn't have the time to be sitting down and like reading to him and doing flashcards and, you know, teaching him how to say certain words. So at that point he was only saying one word. So I thought like if my child's behind, my free time needs to be solely devoted to him. I really need to delve into getting him caught up. Um, and the podcast just kind of got put on the back burner and I am really passionate about this podcast. I love doing it. I'm really passionate about mental health, um, about helping people and, so it really sucked having to put it on the back burner, but my child comes first. And even now, like he's completely caught up. He's probably going to be released from the program, which is a huge feat for him. I'm so proud of him. But having my mom watch him, and I know she loves having that one-on-one time with them and me being away from home is still, I still have guilt all the time. Um, I don't exercise during the day when the boys are awake. I wait till they go to bed. And then I get on the bike because then they're sleeping anyways. Uh, if I go out with friends, it's usually when the boys go down for bed because then I'm not missing out on anything. And mm-hmm. I want to be home. Like, I want to be doing the bedtime routine and putting them to bed and giving them kisses and stuff. Um, so, like, when we got together with Casey and went on to dinner, it was, like, that was a big step for me. <laughs> like, leaving during the day when the kids are awake mm-hmm. and I'm missing out on things. And, yeah. So, I think... My Venn diagram is mom guilt and FOMO, and that's where it overlaps. Uh-huh. Is like, Bobby's home with the boys. Like, when he's home, I want to be home because I want to be doing the family thing. 
mm-hmm. and it's good for him to have one-on-one time with the kids away from me, but it's also like, I want to be home exploring new things with them and enjoying our togetherness. Mm-hmm. Like, being away from them is good. It's healthy for me to have something on my own, but it's hard. Yeah. I like being around my kids, and... Like, on days where they're just absolutely driving me bonkers, where I'm like, I have to get out of the house right now, or I will scream. I'll be five minutes down the road and be like, I miss them. Yeah. Like, and then I feel so bad about wanting to be away from them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. I think that's the challenge of being a parent, where you're just like, oh, I can't wait till they go to sleep. It's been, like, a really difficult day today, and they fall asleep, and then you're like, oh. Now I want to wake you up because I really yeah. miss you. And then you beat yourself up because then you, like, you think, you start reflecting on all the times where you could have been really harsh with them. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, I raised my voice about this and all he wanted was a glass of milk. And that's not fair to him, but, and he didn't realize everything else that was going on with me today. So then I feel really bad. And I'm like, maybe I should go wake him up and apologize. <laughs> like, you know, like, how do I make this better for tomorrow? Do I just start clean? Should I apologize? Because, you know, mom messes up sometimes and I need to make this right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's hard. They go to sleep, and I'm just like, I really was not my best self for them today. Yeah. Well, and then that's that's where you need the, the self-reflection of if I'm not my best self for them, what is it that I need to do for myself to make myself the best version of myself for my kids? Yeah. So is it, you know, do I need to go out with friends every once in a while and have that dinner out without my family to to fill my cup, so to say, mm-hmm. and, and give back to myself. Do I need that time in the middle of the day to leave my children with a family member so that I can go do something that is adult time where I get to, you know, record this podcast and, and hopefully give back to society and give back to other people that might be listening, but then also giving to myself of, I get to use a different part of my brain than I'm just sitting there all day long with my kids. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But just knowing that about yourself of mm-hmm. when when do I need to give more and then when do I need to take a step back. Yeah. And also taking care of your mental health is part of that Venn diagram too. What does that mean? Is it spending more alone time? Is it spending more time with people? Is it having regular therapy sessions? Um, and all of these things can, if you're, giving enough into what you need contribute to your mental health and help you become the best version of yourself that you can be. So if I was a patient and I came to you and said, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm having a hard time, um, accepting my body postpartum, loving myself again. What are some exercises that you would give? What are some suggestions you would give to me? I would do something that's sounds very, very silly, but I imagine that if somebody came to me and said something like that, their daily self-talk is probably pretty negative on a regular. I would challenge that person to make a list of the things that they like about themselves and make a list of probably, I would make it challenging and say 10 different features about yourself physically, maybe even something that you like about yourself that isn't physical and put it on 10 different post-it notes and stick those post-it notes on your bathroom mirror. And every time you step out of the shower, 
and you're fully naked and you're standing in front of yourself in that bathroom mirror to say those 10 things to yourself out loud. And it sounds really silly, but if you imagine all of the negative things that are going on in your mind throughout the day that you're just on autopilot saying to yourself, taking that moment and saying them out loud and letting your brain listen to your voice, say them out loud can be very influential Mm -hmm. in changing your thinking pattern. And if you struggle to maybe come up with 10, I would ask a friend or a partner or a family member, somebody that you love and trust to come up with the remaining three that you can't think of or four, whatever it is. Or even if you come up with 10 yourself, just ask them, you know, hey, can you write one or two things on a post-it note for me? Because it also means more if it's coming from somebody else as well. Mm -hmm. Because your friends may recognize and appreciate things about you that you would have never thought. Mm -hmm. Because they might see you being this like crazy off the wall mom cannot get her shit together uh, her kids are always running around crazy and she feels very flustered, but you see her as being the fun mom, whereas maybe you don't feel that necessarily by yourself. Mm-hmm. And something I like to try to tell myself sometimes is like the stuff that I say to myself in my head, I would never say to a friend. Mm-hmm. Like if you had just had a baby and you weren't feeling your best self and you were like, God, I'm so fat. I would never be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> You are looking pretty hefty these days. Uh-huh. Why do I say that to myself then? Mm-hmm. I would never say it to somebody that I love. And ourselves, we should be numero uno. Mm-hmm. You know, we should love ourselves like we love a, like a really good friend. I would never say it to my partner. I would never say it to my children. Why do I think it's okay to say it to myself? It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So when I start having like intrusive thoughts where I'm like, God, you're not a great mom or you're not a fun mom or your kids are going to be in therapy someday or, you know, like I would never say that to somebody that I love. Right. So I have to try to change how it is I'm speaking to myself. Yes. Yep. And it, it, it takes a lot of practice. Um, it's probably been years that somebody would have negative thoughts going on in their head on a daily basis that they would be saying these things. It's probably going to take about the same amount of time before you, I mean, I don't want to say that you, um, see results or see progress, but that it really starts to sink in. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a Japanese scientist that did a study on water and he had two glasses of water and the first glass of water, he said horrible things to it. You're ugly. You're stupid. I hate you. Whatever it is that he said to this glass of water. Really giving it the business. Yeah, yeah. And and these two glasses of water came from the same water source, the same place. Everything was the same. They were in the same room. And then the second glass of water, he said positive things to it. You're beautiful. I love you. You're amazing. And after some time of doing this daily, they eventually froze the water and then sliced it into slices and looked at it under a microscope. And the first glass of water that had all the negative things said to it looked dark and dirty and muddy and dingy. And then the second glass of water that had all the beautiful positive things said to it had the most, it was crystal clear and had the most beautiful, intricate snowflake designs in it. Is that true? That's a it's real story. very true. I promise oh you. Gosh. I promise you. Um, let me look it up really quick. I'll look up his name. Um 
And all the other variables were the same. Like, yes. they were put in the same room for the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so his name is Masaru Emoto. Masaru Emoto. Um, and water consciousness is what he studi- studied. He's a doctor. And, um, oh, it looks like he passed away in 2014. And then they also did this study with cooked rice. Same thing happened. The the things that had um, ugly things said to it uh, created mold and just was disgusting. And then the thing, the rice, the bowl of rice that had beautiful things said to it was just looked the same. No mold. He did the study with plants, I believe. The plant that had negative things said to it wilted. Um, the thing, the plant that had beautiful things said to it flowered and grew. And so if we just take the example with water, our bodies are made up of what, 70, 80% water as yeah, a human like being? we're like cucumbers, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like just walking cucumbers, with, cucumbers. with consciousness. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so if you think about that, that this water has consciousness and memory and what we're saying to ourselves about ourselves on a daily basis, what is it internally doing to us mm-hmm. on a molecular level? And so I think that was his, his overall point, but also just being mindful and aware of on a daily basis, what are you saying to yourself? And then how can you start to challenge or replace those negative thoughts? Mm-hmm. I saw I think it was on Facebook. I probably circled for a while. You might have seen it where it was a photographer who did a before and after they told somebody that they were beautiful. So it was like a before of a person just standing there, just kind of like blank face, getting through their day. And then after they were told they were beautiful and they're just like glowing, they Mm -hmm. completely lit up. They were like, this is the best thing that's ever been told to me. It's crazy how much like just simple words mean to us and, um, how much we internalize. Mm -hmm. So, okay, here's your therapy homework for those of you listening. Five to ten sticky notes. We're writing good things about ourselves, positive things, things that we love about ourselves, or we're having our partner or a good friend help us out. We're going to put those on our bathroom mirror. I want to see what you wrote. Um, Send it to us on Instagram. We'll post it on our pages. Instagram is at Nora's podcast. Facebook page is Nora's, uh, Nora's table podcast. Sorry. Instagram is Nora's table podcast. Um, go follow us on YouTube and also check out the Ignis Umbra page on Facebook as well. Um, we're going to wrap it up with this episode. Lauren, thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you so much. And, uh, we will catch you guys next time.